0: Well, good morning. Good to see you all. How's everybody doing? I love what God is doing in the in the days. I love what's happening in East Alton and the connectivity and the community that's being built. And you're going to see more of this as the days progress because we're quickly, because of the era that we've stepped into, we're finding that um, we need to do this together. So many so many churches have been trying to do on their own, and with the challenges of the time, it's going to take more partnership and community and uh, to advance the kingdom of God. And so I love what God is doing. So, And you all are a part of this. You are invested in this. Well, give yourself a hand this morning. Um, I'm going to share some things from the series that you're in, What the Bible Has to Say about, I'm going to talk to you what the Bible has to say about life, just about life today. Let's talk about some things about life. I'm going to open with this. Um, it sounds a little little morbid when you think about it, but you know what? Uh, life is risky. Life is risky. In fact, we don't get out of it alive. Um, I think life is risky. You know, um, different aspects of risk I I was out last weekend and I got back home on Monday and while I was out last weekend my wife decided to uh, paint the whole downstairs the whole downstairs and uh, I get home and she says so you like the color and I'm like ah no let me tell you life is risky And I just about didn't get out of that one alive. I finally convinced her that. And then, how many people in here uh, like yellow for the room of color? Yeah, yellow people, I don't mean to offend you when I say this, but I don't like yellow. And she painted it, and it, t- it turned out yellow. I said, Baby, that's yellow. No, it's not. It's, it's, it's. I said, Turn to my daughter, which, you know, it's always, that's the always safe go to. What do you think it is? It's yellow, Mom. She's like, dang, it's yellow. So, I'm here today. I made it out alive. But I'm sharing that with you is that in many aspects it is. See, I mean, it, it, and I, again, I say this that life is risky and we don't get out of, it, out of this alive. In the sense that I think it's good for us to periodically just to really reevaluate our lives, where we're at and how we're living. I think it's so important because, you know, sometimes the, 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 the circumstances that we find our life or the place that we find our life in, sometimes it's just so subtle. We find our, our, ourselves in, in a place in life where it's like, how did I get here? Or is this where I'm supposed to be? You know, years ago, a guy that taught me to fly, um, fly airplanes, not fly, fly. Push off a cliff. Fly. Uh, said this. It's important to continually reevaluate where you're at. Because he said if you get one degree off here in St. Louis and you're flying to LA and you don't make a course correction, that one degree can put you hundreds of miles off getting to where you're, you know, if keeping you off course to the destination that you want. And and that's the way life is. I think a lot of times what we need to do is evaluate and course correct. And that's really kind of what I want to talk to you about today because there's so many things that that the world is throwing at us right now that can throw us off. And I think um, it's important that we understand that we can find ourselves in a place living how we shouldn't be living or living not in the place that we should be living or I put it this way you know is we find our the the story of our life in a a chapter that's not you know not so good chapter and we think that's going to be the end but the reality of it is it's just a chapter there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 that says this verse 7 says this better is the end of a thing than its beginning and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. But the first part of that scripture, better is the end than the beginning. See, I think a lot of times what we need to do is focus on how we're going to end, not just necessarily right where we're at right now, thinking that this is the way it's always going to be. It doesn't. Wherever you're at in your life today, maybe you're like, things are good, I feel like I'm on track, or maybe you're here today and saying, you know, things aren't so good, and, and I, just, I just don't feel like you know, but this is it. It doesn't have to be it. See, one of the things that I found about Jesus is that he's real good about restoring your life. He's a great restorer, changing the end, Okay, changing the end of the story. You know, through the years, uh, what we've learned is that you know, if you read any of the classics or anything, uh, anybody ever read *Great Expectations* by Dickens? So you know that in that story, um, he re- the the ending that we have today was not the original ending. He had written the the, the ending of *Great Expectations* to Pip and Estella. Remember them? That uh, Stella kind of got married and they had this, you know, not so happy ending and everything. And, and so Dickens had a friend who says, you can't, you can't end the story like that. It's, it's got to have a happy ending. So Dickens rewrote the story to have a happy ending. Well, I use that a lot to tell people is that where you're at right now doesn't mean that that's where the end is going to be, because if you take the steps in life, if you begin to trust God, if you begin to commit your life to God in a new and fresh way, God has this uncanny ability, we'll call it maybe a supernatural ability, to rewrite your story, to rewrite the ending of your life. And God was so adamant about this, is that He gave us a, 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 a guarantee, He gave us an undeniable uh, guarantee that He was willing to do this by what? By Jesus going to the cross. Jesus going to the cross was God's way of saying to humanity, "I want to rewrite your story. I want to give you a different ending, because the ending that you have right now is not the happy ending. But Jesus came, if I could say it this way, that we would have a way for our lives to be restored, to have a happy ending, an eternal ending that was full of the life of God. And so I want to talk to you some more about that today. You know, um, there's so much getting thrown at us today, and if we're not careful, there's all these Talking heads and cultural wizards and influences that are being thrown at us today, and uh, saying this is what life this is what the meaning of life is or, or this is you know the, the, what life is going to be about, or this is what you're going to have to go without, <clears throat> go without, or that you're just going to have to live miserable and, or you know, be a, you know, in doubt or instability, chaos, all this stuff that's being thrown at us today, right? Well, so earlier this summer, I was out speaking in Nebraska, and I'm driving from my friend, pastor friend's place, into town, it's about a ten mile drive. I'm driving down the road, and I see this sign. Now, don't go calling that number unless you need manure. But I'm driving, and I see this, and I kind of chuckled a little bit. And then the Lord began, I felt like the Lord began to speak to me, and he said, that's what the world is trying to sell the church. And he said, the challenge is, is too many of my people are calling that number. Too many of my people are buying the manure that the world is offering them right now. And it really just, it just caught me um, with that as that, you know, I mean my right away. Am I, I'm like, Am I buying any of that manure? Am I buying into any of the thoughts and the ideologies and the influences of the culture in my life to reevaluate my heart and the way I'm living? See, here's a a latest statistic that really concerns me because it ties in with this, is that right now the average church-going Christian, not just the person that says, oh, I'm a Christian, the average church-going Christian reads this book once a month. And see, if you're only reading this once a month, if that has the limited influence in your life, then that's going to have more of an influence in your life. God gave us this sacred, his sacred words, so that we would know his infinite heart and his undying love, or unending love, maybe is a better way to put it, for us. And in these, the pages, of this book is the heart and the love and the grace and the mercy and the great expectations that God has for us. In this book, within the pages of this book lie the life of God, the life that He desires, That we would live into Jesus said, "I've come that you may have life, and that you may have it what abundantly." He wasn't talking about abundance in the sense of things. He was talking about it in in the sense of abundance that our hearts, our lives would be filled with the life of God. But if this isn't an influence, that will be. And I found myself that day saying this, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that. There's a point in your life where you have to say, I'm not buying that. Because there's no life within it. There can be a lot of, of, of egotism in that. There can be a lot of deception in that. There can be a lot of tempor- temporal you know, euphoric experiences in that, but there's nothing eternal in that manure. And so today, if you find yourself in a place where you say, you know what, I've a lot of that. Is too much of that is in my life, you've got you to gotta make a decision today saying, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it anymore. I'm not buying that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to buy the... (laughs) The Scripture says, buy the truth and sell it not. Meaning what? Make a sacrifice. Make a commitment to the truth of God. The truths of God. Make a a commitment to take those, to, to absorb those, to let them become engrafted within you. And you live your life from the truths of God. You'll find yourself... In a whole lot better place. Not good English, but it works. There's some things that, if we want that kind of life, we have to change. Pastor Sean, last service, was talking about, I'm going to share this, Sean. He said that the Lord has spoken, he's been getting up at 5 a.m. in the morning. And he said, I'm not a 5 a.m. guy, but he's what? He's made a commitment to doing that. And during worship, I leaned over to him. I remembered something I had uh, recently read It said this. The guy was asked, why do you get up early in the morning to pray? Or why do you get up early in the morning? He said, if you knew who I was meeting with, you would get up early too. If you knew who it was that I was meeting with early in the morning you'd be getting up early too why am i saying that there is a place there is a time that comes because guess what this i think sometimes we live our lives thinking that it this this part this this earthly part this fleshly part of us is going to be here forever. it's not unless jesus comes okay then we're all going to be changed in a moment And and maybe it's because as I get older, you know, life takes on different meanings, you know. But the reality of it is, the Apostle James said it this way, life is but a vapor. And then it's gone. See, we have to evaluate what is important, what are the priorities that we need in our life if we're going to live life, really live life, and not just drudge our way through it. Not just drag our way through it. No, live our way through it. God wants you to live through your existence here upon the earth. Live with the most extent of of what life, what He has to offer us in life. (laughs) I said that, you know, the, the, the manure is good for your garden, it's not good for your life. Okay. I think we have to, at some point, if we really are going to experience the things that God has to offer for us, there's an element of our lives we're going to have to live with abandon, meaning what? Just letting go of things and just living radically, radically in the place of truth, going after the presence of God, radically. I'm telling you, for the era that we are living in, we cannot be complacent about our lives several weeks ago i was speaking down in nashville and and again staying with another pastor friend of mine and they had about 30 minutes from the church they had gone on in earlier and i was leaving to go in i was pulling out onto the highway to go into nashville and the lord started speaking to me about um convenience we like things convenient right the other night, uh, I couldn't. I couldn't get anything to pull up on my phone. So what the heck? I'm calling Charter. What's going on? What are you idiots doing? Sorry if anybody here works for Charter. <laughs> I'm like, there's no outages or anything. My wife is painting and she unplugged the router. <laughs> I'm not going any further with the idiot thing. than no, you just- <laughs> We like convenience, right? So I'm, I'm getting all upset. Why? Because I didn't have a convenience of my cell phone right there. I couldn't Google what I wanted to Google. Like the world had come to an end. Convenience. Like things convenience. So I'm pulling out into the highway, and the Lord said, and he said this. He said, convenience will only build empires of dirt. Nashville, Johnny Cash, Song Hurt, you know, I was kind of trying to tie that all in. But he said, King, he said, convenience will only build empires of dirt. He said, you'll never build anything of any kind of significance for your life pursuing convenience. He said, you're going to have to be willing to make commitments and sacrifices if you want to experience a significant life. But oh, how we like our convenience. But the reality of it is the life and life more abundantly that God has offered to us didn't come from convenience. They came through sacrifice on a cross over 2,000 years ago. And what God was showing us, I believe, is the sacrifice for life is worth it. Because Jesus, the Scriptures say, counted it all joy for the cross that was before Him. Why? Because the life that was going to come from it, that humanity was going to be offered, was well worth it on His part. It's well worth it. But is the life that God has offered it worth it for you? Is there a value to it? Is there a value to it? Do you value it enough to make some commitments and sacrifices for your life? Be a little inconvenienced at times? Jesus said to the disciples, couldn't you just pray one hour? Couldn't you just stay awake one hour? You know what was interesting in that whole thing? The disciples couldn't stay awake for an hour, but evil never slept. The evil that's in the world never sleeps. That's why he's called us to be a people that are awake to be attentive, to pursuing life, his life, his purpose. That's what I love about this this house, this church. That's what I love about the, the leadership, the staff that's here. As I'm around them, man, they are pursuing the life. They're pursuing what it is that the kingdom of God is endeavoring, they're leading us into, and they're willing to make the sacrifices for it. I love that. And you ought to love that. So be careful, I put it this way, wear the world lightly. Wear the world lightly. Romans 13 14 says, instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about the ways to indulge in evil desires. You know, Cardinal Francis George of Chicago is a cardinal up there for many years and I just love some of his writings. He said this. The only thing you take with you in life, in the life to come, are the things that you gave away. Whoa, stop and think about that. The only things you take with you into eternity are the things you gave away. And he wasn't, some of it maybe more so the meaning behind it, but he wasn't talking about, you know, tangible things. He's talking about what, you, what did you give away of your life to others? What have you given away to others? Have you have you given encouragement? Have you given the peace that's on your life? Have you given the love that's that the love of God? That's whatever. Have you given forgiveness? Oh my gosh! It's one of the most powerful things that you can give someone is forgiveness. I'll even say it this way: one of the most powerful things you can give yourself is forgiveness. Forgive yourself. Because after pastoring for 25 years, I know that one of the greatest challenges in this area of forgiveness is people forgiving themselves. You will not live the life that God has for you if you're not willing to forgive yourself. All right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21 says this from the, the Passion Translation it says, Don't keep hoarding for yourselves earthly treasures that can be stolen by thieves. Material wealth eventually rusts, decays, and loses its value. Instead, stockpile heavenly treasures for yourselves that cannot be stolen and will never rust, decay, or lose their value. For your heart will always pursue what you esteem as your treasure. Your heart will always pursue what you esteem as a treasure. What the scripture is saying, what Jesus was saying was, it was not, not that you can't have things in your life, but what he was saying is the things shouldn't have you. Meaning what? What is it that you're going to keep as a priority in your life? So you have the things, but the, as long as they're not interrupting or mislining or disqualifying the things that should be the priorities in our lives. So be very careful of that. Because those things will all go by the wayside. Those those tangibles, those things will, will all go by the wayside. But the things in your life that are of value, such as the love of God, the grace of God, the peace of God, those are the things that have eternal consequences as we disperse them. We've been called to disperse what it is, that the life that God has given to us. Okay. Along with that, Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 verse 11, he said, I've learned how to be content. I think one of the things that robs a lot of time is, is it, that we don't know how to live content in our lives. Because of all the manure that the world is throwing at us. It's stealing the contentment. And here's my definition of contentment. Contentment is learning how to be happy with what you have while you pursue all that God has yet for your life. People ask me from time to time, are are you satisfied? I said, no, I'm not satisfied. I'm content. but I'm not satisfied. Because I know there's so much more that God has for my life, so much more understanding and truth, so much more clarity of what this is really all about, if I'm not careful, I'll quit pursuing that. I'll quit making sacrifices for it. And so, I'm not satisfied, I'm content, I'm happy with where I'm at, but I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. Does that make sense? that makes sense? Hmm. It, it's like this. I was uh, f- my 50th class reunion last weekend. Y'all didn't think I was even 50 years old, did you? <laughs> I went from kindergarten to 12th grade in one year So this person was asking me some things. One of the things was I got asked so many times, probably a dozen to two dozen times, Mike Plain, how did you ever end up in ministry? Because in the yearbook, it wasn't voted most likely to become a minister, I'll guarantee you. So I I got to share my story to, to many of my former classmates and to glorify Jesus and what he's done in my life but, but I, I shared this and I found myself saying this to uh, one person I said you know uh, life's journey throws a lot of things at you and life hasn't been easy for me life has been very challenging for me but I said you know what I said I love where I'm at today and I love who I'm with I don't know that's I think there's a part of that that we have to it's a good place to live from, right? I love where I'm at. I love who I'm with. I love the fact that Jesus is in my life. I love the fact that my wife is in my life, even though she paints yellow. I love you know, my family, I love it. There's that level of, but I'm, I'm not satisfied because, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's more, there's more. But I want to encourage you to really think about those words. I love where I'm at and I love who I'm with. Can you say that? If not, then maybe you ought to let God do some restoring in your life today. To rewrite some of the the pages of your story. Why don't you all stand with me? I'm going to close with this. So we're talking about life. I'm going to close with this scripture from Proverbs 21, 21. Maybe let this, let this be your challenge today. It says, whoever goes hunting for what is right and kind finds life itself. Glorious life. Whoever goes hunting for what is right and kind finds life. Again, the era that we're living in, the culture we're living in, is throwing a lot of things at us that would really, really counter Us being those who pursue what is right and what is kind. There's there's so much contention in the world. But here's the thing. When we do this, when we become hunters, seekers, pursuers of what is right and kind, there's something different about us. There's something unique about us. See, we've been called to be unique. Not weird, but unique. But that isn't isn't the result of just because you've come into this building today. What makes you unique is what you're committing your life to and what you are pursuing and living for. That's what makes you unique. it's 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 what you have the apostle paul said this he said follow me as i follow christ really if you dig into that scripture what what paul was literally saying in the literal language of spoken in the aramaic what he was saying is is the aroma of jesus that is on me follow that aroma oh i've thought a lot about that The way you pick up the aroma of someone is being in their presence. It's like if Pastor Sean had a certain cologne and, and you all knew what that cologne was, what it smelled like. And, 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 and I was hanging around Pastor Sean, putting my arm around him, giving him a man hug and all those things. And then I come to talk to you, you go, hmm, you've been around Pastor Sean. See, that's the way I want to live my life. In the presence of Christ that that would be in my life that when I when I step into different circumstances and scenarios and places there'd be work, high school whatever and people go hmm there's a smell about you it's not a not a natural smell but there's a mystical smell about you it's my friend Jesus doesn't he smell good doesn't he smell good doesn't he smell good come here doesn't he smell good he smells good on you man he smells good never lose the smell of Jesus on your way that you do that, you stay clothed in His presence. You stay clothed in His presence. There's more life there than there is out here. So Jesus, I pray for everyone that's in this place. Everyone that's in this room, those watching online, whoever. I pray today that by the Spirit of God, their hearts have been taken captive. Captive with your life. Captive with the desire for your life. And I pray today there are those in this place that would say I'm not buying that anymore I'm not buying the manure of the world anymore in fact if you would bow your heads for just a moment, I'm just going to ask this I'm not calling anybody up anything But if, if you would be real with yourself honest with yourself today, maybe you're here saying I've been buying too much the world's manure instead of the life that God has for me and maybe you know some of, maybe you're just starting to investigate but I think today's a day that you just make a huge step of transformation and you're here and you're saying I'm not going to buy it anymore If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand real quick. Just saying, I'm not buying it anymore. A lot of hands going up. I'm not buying it anymore. Lord, I thank you for every hand that went up. Holy Spirit, I thank you starting today that you will begin to speak the truths of God's life and love and mercy and grace into their lives in a new, fresh dimension that that sets on fire a radical hunger. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. God bless you.